Coming to you via the internet and your friends at PipesMagazine.com, it's the Pipes Magazine radio show. The show that harkens back to the days when slamming the phone down on somebody hurt their ears. Now it just sounds like a dropped call. Now I invite you to sit back, relax, the smoking lamp is lit. Here's your host, Brian Levine. Welcome, welcome, welcome. It is the Pipes Magazine radio show. Yes, the sometimes irreverent, sometimes educational, but always entertaining weekly pipe smoking broadcast. And I am your host, Brian Levine. Hey, it's Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. And for tonight's show in Pipe Parts, we'll do a trip report on the NASPC or Columbus Pipe Show, actually held in Dublin, Ohio. Uh, my guest tonight is Walter Gorski, longtime friend and uh, number two at uh, Georgetown Tobacco. Yeah, historic Georgetown, Washington, D.C. tobacco shop. Oh boy, been around since the 60s. Uh, but we'll talk to Walter. Uh, music, mailbag, and rant, all that coming up in uh, tonight's episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. All right, so I guess the uh, the the official summer season has come to an end. Uh, schools are back in, and uh, Labor Day here in the U.S. is quickly coming up upon us. That means it's a beginning of uh, football season, and uh, everybody's back to school. Um, we notice here at the Pipes Magazine Radio Show that you know in June, July, August, we see a little bit of a dip in uh, listenership. However, I am uh, proud to say that in the past week or two, it looks like a bunch of you are catching up on episodes of the show, and uh, listenership has never been better than before, and it uh, looks like iTunes has got uh, all the shows listed in the uh, in the feed right now, so if you missed a show, go back, check them out, listen, uh, but they uh, seem to fix that glitch that was uh, dropping two shows out unless you fully subscribed. Uh, while you're there, hey, please hit subscribe, leave us a rating, review, or feedback, and uh, that does help out the show. And uh, remember, you must be of the legal smoking age, wherever the show is played, to listen to the show. There's my disclaimer for like every three or four shows for you. <laughs> all right, everybody, sit back, relax, fire up a bowl. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to the McBaron Tobacco Company, and here we go. Italians have always been known for their aesthetic passion. It's their birthright, their legacy. And just like Savinelli, it continues to grow and evolve. It is ever-changing. Milan, 1876. Achille Savinelli set out to change the way the world viewed smoking pipes, opening one of the world's first specialist tobacco shops. From one small storefront to a factory that delivered handmade pipes all over the world, the legacy he forged became one filled with success and prestige. Achilles' dream is carried on today by his family, who continues the Savinelli legacy. Each year, Savinelli debuts a series of new, forward-thinking designs, comprised of quality-crafted pipes shaped from some of the best briar in the world. Behind every beautiful object, there's a story. Start your own chapter. Visit your local tobacconist or premium online dealer today. If you're looking for quality, if you're looking for a variety, and if you're looking for someone with a reputation for nothing but the best, you're looking for CupOfJoes.com. CupOfJoes.com has hundreds of pipes to choose from and thousands of different pipe tobaccos. CupOfJoes.com is also your one-stop shop for Peterson Pipes, their exclusive line of Peterson Kelly Pipes. Check out their remodeled website at CupOfJoes.com and be sure to like them on Facebook, CupOfJoes.com. Quality products at extraordinary prices. Welcome back. In just a minute, Walter Gorski will be with me, and here's how the trip went to uh, Columbus. So, uh, the big surprise was for uh, many people that have known me for years, uh, because of our empty nest situation and a, fr and a free plane ticket, a free uh, companion ticket, brought my wife. So we uh, hopped on the plane at uh, about 11.45 Friday, uh, got into... Uh, Got Hey, we even got upgraded. Um, nobody with two watches on. But we uh, got into Columbus and uh, got the car, got something to eat, got over to the hotel that 
we had picked. I stayed at an embassy suites that was uh, about a about three quarters of a mile away, a little bit bigger room. Thought it might be a little more interesting for my wife if she wanted to go back to the room in the middle of the day. Um, and then we uh, quickly uh, got our boxes and headed over to the show. Now, Columbus does this uh, brilliant thing of opening up the showroom from 5 to 9 on Friday night. So it's kind of a loose pre-show of what pipe shows used to have in the uh, room hopping the night before or hanging out at the uh, in, out in the smoking area. But it's a chance for us exhibitors to get in and set up and... You know, kind of have have a loose evening so that we don't have to rush first thing in the morning the next day. Uh, I was with uh, Pipes and Pleasures. Uh, Pipes and Pleasures is an old uh, established tobacco shop, pipe and tobacco shop in uh, south side of Columbus. And just wonderful people under the new FDA regulations. They were the ones handling all the sales. They were the ones taking care of everything. But we had a tiny little space at their table. Set up the stuff. And sales just started taking off on uh, Friday evening. Um, (laughs) The uh, fun part for my wife was being introduced to many people who have never met her before or have only seen her on Facebook or hadn't met her or hadn't seen her since uh, the last pipe show she went to is like 2002 or 3 or maybe 2004. Um, anyway, I want to thank all of you for uh, making her feel so warm, welcome, and angelic for having to put up with me for all these years. Yes, it was nice. She uh, received condolences from several people. Uh, I will say that there was fewer tables than last year, and I think that's purely a result of the FDA. There were a couple, uh, there was one uh, company in particular that backed out from uh, sponsoring and helping out from last year. And understandable, but, uh, you know, hey, we uh, we did our thing and committed and stayed committed to what we had promised. A um, handful of the uh, standard collectors couldn't make the show. So maybe maybe 10%, maybe 15% less tables than last year. Uh, the offerings that were there were uh, incredible as always. Pipes priced all the way from... Yeah, a couple of bucks up to a couple thousand dollars. Uh, the mood of the buyer seemed good. The uh, Most of the attendees were very uh, understanding when we said we couldn't give them any samples or couldn't, you know, do anything but maybe show them an open tin. And that was uh, very nice, and uh, I'm glad everybody was so uh, so kind to us for not being able to sample like we used to. Um lots of independent pipe makers and I've heard, you know, mixed reviews from how they did. I do think that uh tobacco was somewhat more of the focus. Uh Tim West had uh was helping out a uh, a widow and was selling an estate full of tobaccos that were just incredible from the uh some of them I think dated back to the 1950s, maybe 1960s, but just a, a a guy who had collected pipe tobaccos over the years and just had an incredible assortment of stuff. Uh, some brands I'd never seen before. Some uh, in all in beautiful condition. So that was fun to see. Uh, usual suspects were there with uh, uh, Cornell and Deal was right across from us. Uh, Savinelli was right next to them. Uh in addition to that, there were a few new faces from, uh, in particular, the Kansas City area. The Kansas City Pipe Club had some representation there, and a couple of guys drove in from Richmond. And then the usual uh, Chicago Pipe Club contingent was well represented. Uh, Friday night ended at about 9 o'clock in the showroom, and drinks and smoking went on outside until, uh, I don't know, we left at about 11.15, and uh, got up the next morning, bright and early, got there to the show, and the show was up and going. I mean, right at 9 o'clock, people were in there buying and uh, and mixing around, and the smoking area outside was, both of the smoking areas outside were uh, jammed all day long. The weather was not real conducive to sitting out in the sunshine at a table smoking, but that may have helped keep people uh, in and off the show floor. Uh, Jeff and Eddie from... Uh, Columbus do a wonderful job of organizing the show and running it like a uh, 
like a fine-tuned uh, Swiss watch. Uh, the raffles, I did my uh, $20 raffle, $20 in raffle tickets, and I came home with a uh, vintage ROP pipe that was uh, donated by SmokingPipes.com. So, hey, 20 bucks for a pipe, and I was uh, perfectly thrilled and happy. Um uh, the show went all day long. I mean, it was it was all day with people. All day until about 4, 4.30, and then it started to lighten up, and then the weather turned a little nasty, and uh, some folks started to head for their cars before the rain got really bad. Saturday night, one of the highlight dinners of the uh, of the year for me includes uh, Lee Von Erk, Joe Nelson, uh, Chris and Nicole from uh, the uh, uh, Cincinnati area, uh, JJ joined us, and then uh, Phil Morgan and the uh, gang from uh, Missouri Meersham were there with us. So a group of uh, 12 to 14 of us, and uh, Deb and Kurt, locals from uh, from the uh, from uh, Dayton, Ohio, came down to hang out with us for our annual dinner at uh, the Cafe Istanbul. So you get all these pipe people showing up to eat uh, Turkish food, and the food was really good. And as always, the uh, uh, the conversation at the table is wide-ranging and sometimes um, very enlightening and sometimes uh, very uh, fun. <laughs> anyway, I always look forward to that dinner with that group. Then we went back to the hotel, sat outside for about an hour, had some more drinks, smoked for a little bit, and then off to bed it was for me. And then uh, we uh, got up the next morning. Wife and I went to the Columbus Zoo and spent from about, uh, I don't know, about 10.30 in the morning until, oh boy, we left about 5.15. Weather was hot, but you know what? That's uh, such a great zoo. And unfortunately, you'll hear about the zoo coming up in the ramp later on. So there you go. NASPC Columbus Pipe Show Report. Let me remind you, if you're anywhere in the Ohio area, they've already scheduled it for next year. It's usually the last weekend in August. And if you're not getting the NASPC Pipe Collector newsletter, it's anywhere between uh, 32 to 64 pages printed six times a year of wonderful pipe and tobacco stories, submissions, and uh, just well worth the 20 bucks that it costs or 22 bucks that it costs for membership. Go to... Uh, go. Get yourself a membership. You're missing out on some really good writing. All right, there we go. Uh, in just a minute, Walter Gorski. This is Internet Radio. There's nothing quite like hunting at dawn or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. Do you need a reliable source for ordering pipes and tobacco? Do you find it difficult to get your favorite blends outside of the U.S.? Fournoggins.com stocks all of your favorite pipes and tobaccos and ships all over the world. All forms of payment are accepted and orders are processed the same day. There are no worries when ordering from Fournoggins.com. Fournoggins.com is your source for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We ship in the U.S. and international with no worries. Fournoggins.com for all of your pipes and tobacco needs. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and joining us is uh, got an old friend that, Walter, you and I go back so far that when we first met, we were the young guys in the industry on a young future leaders group for the industry, but uh, the, uh, I don't know. I don't know. You're the you're the guy that does everything at Georgetown Tobacco that the big boss doesn't want to do, and you do everything that all the people below you can't do or forget to do. So you're basically number two in charge of all the number two stuff, right? That's pretty much it. Yes. Okay. So officially, let's welcome Walter Gorski of Georgetown Tobacco to the Pipes Magazine Radio Show. Thank you. All right, so, I mean, the first time we met was like 1998 or 99 or something like that, but for those that don't know you, where did you grow up and what got you into smoking a pipe? I grew up in Northern Virginia, and the absolute first pipe experience was uh, some friends left a corncob pipe in my car that uh, 
they were using for other purposes, which we will not go into. And <laughs> so I had this had this little pipe, and I thought, you know, I'll go to the drugstore and get some tobacco and try it out. And uh, so I did, and eh, it was okay. So I went into a another store here in Northern Virginia. It was John B. Hayes, and started asking questions and. The gentleman who helped me spent about 20 minutes um, giving me all sorts of information, and I thought, you know, this is kind of cool. And so I tried various pipes and tobaccos and also hand-rolling, and um, fast-forward a little while, I was in the uh, Tyson's Corner area, and I knew that I was out of tobacco, and knew that there was a store there, so I went in and uh, basically told them that the uh, aromatic tobacco that I was smoking was making my dorm room smell real nice, and everybody liked it, but uh, (laughs) I was not tasting anything, and I was then introduced to the world of natural tobaccos, uh, English and whatnot, and then I noticed a Help Wanted sign up. Uh oh. And I, yes, I crossed that line and I asked about it and I was grilled um, and eventually got the job and that was um, 28 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> wow. All right, so, so what? Yes, uh, what were you going to. Timers in college, beware. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what were you going to college for? Uh, running a tobacco shop? No, well, more or less. I was an English major. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think there is any better preparation for uh, being a tobacconist than um, lots and lots and lots of literature that has, uh, you know, not necessarily any any use in the world other than the... um, the permanent cocktail conversation, which is a tobacco store. <laughs> uh, so did you uh, finish up college, or did you automatically say, ah, I found my calling and I quit? No, I um, I worked um, part-time, grew to full-time when I was still in college, and um, when I did finally graduate, I had the conversation with uh, with the owner of the store, David, uh, about I can't afford to stay and he can't afford to keep me, and we agreed to part as friends, and then he says, oh yeah, if you, um, I'm looking for someone to run the mail order business, uh, if you can think of anyone, let me know, and then the light bulb went off in both of our heads, duh, <laughs> and I said, okay, and this was this was back in the early 90s before the boom when there was, you know, there was not a whole lot of money flying around. So I said, I will, I will take over this. I will make it work. And, but do me a favor. In two years, whether it's going good or going bad, fire me. <laughs> and so I took over the mail order and we were, it was the early days of computerization and figured that out and got it running pretty smoothly. And then um, two years later, David said, uh, so um, have you gotten anything else lined up? I'm thinking, oh, my God, he's really going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so I was asking myself those questions like, uh, you know, what is it? What do I have to do to be a part-time substitute teacher? And uh, what uh, what am I going to do? And I ended up getting two jobs, and one working on the hill as a researcher for a lobbyist, and one um, running the office for a moving company. Both of which I learned a lot from. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a that's a bit of a. A, a bit of a spread of jobs there. Well, the lobbyist was uh, a former um, 
employee had worked there, so I knew them. And then um, the moving company, I was sitting at a bar. That's the way most stories of my life start. <laughs> and a very large gentleman sat down next to me and pulled out a cigar and without even looking, just from the aroma pretty much, and a sideways glance, I just said, uh, Arturo Fuente eight five eight Maduro. Say, How did you know? <laughs> and the conversation started and he's like, You know, I really need someone who can talk to people on the phone, so you know, he gave me a job there and it um both were interesting gigs, but I was basically working 12 hours a day, six days a week, uh, making the same amount of money. And at the end of the year, I had uh, a $3,000 tax bill to show for it because <laughs> no one was withholding enough. And when my job became open again, I decided that, uh, you know, the real wor- world kind of sucks. <laughs> I want to go back. <laughs> Hide hide me back in the tobacco shop. Yes. So I I was, um, for a year and a half, I was doing other things and uh, gave me an appreciation for being here at Georgetown Tobacco. All right, let's go back and let's talk about the history of the store because your your boss and uh, my friend and probably one of the oldest guys in the business now, uh, David Berkebile, opened the store, what, in the 60s? 1964. Yeah, and it's been in the same spot or has it moved? It has moved. It was uh, originally at 1261 Wisconsin Avenue, hence the name of our 1261 pipe blend. And in... 1970, he moved, he actually shared space with a pawn shop for a while, (laughs) and then eventually the pawn shop moved out, and he um, found an old abandoned apothecary store in Pennsylvania that had um, all of the old woodwork in it, and since they were both Federalist period buildings, Uh, He took the interior of that apothecary shop, moved it into Georgetown, and he said that everything fit within about a half inch. Wow. So the little drawers behind the register still have herbal names of whatever a late 19th century apothecary would have had. I mean, I've I've been in the store multiple times. It's right on M Street in Georgetown in Washington D.C. Really trendy, uh, upscale kind of young and hip area. And then there's this old world tobacco shop with gorgeous fixtures and product piled everywhere, right there in the middle of Georgetown. Yep, it's um, and we're about one of the few, if any uh, independent businesses left although corporate people are taking trophy real estate <laughs> now what do you know what prompted him to open a tobacco shop I mean besides the fact that uh, it, it's safe to say that David's a he's a unique character I don't think he could really be employed by anyone else <laughs> and uh, he Hearing the story from him, there was, I don't really know how he decided on um, on the tobacco aspect, but he definitely wanted to have his own business and knew nothing about it and opened up and basically uh, sales reps from the various companies that existed back then um, came in and told him what he needed to do and gave him you know, very very favorable terms and you know, sort of helped him along and educated him. And uh, through, you know, for no real apparent business reason, he was helped out by a lot of people and in turn has helped a lot of people. 
Yeah, I mean, let, let's mention that quickly because he's helped a lot of other people start out in the business in the area. Yes. Um, as I mentioned earlier, uh, John B. Hayes uh, had worked for David and before setting out on his own store. Um, Gary Pesch was uh, employed by David. Uh, his dad had bought the store bought one of the stores from David at uh, Seven Corners in Falls um, Church, Virginia. And that's how Old Virginia came to be. Yeah. And, you know, the, the business is, you can't scratch many companies without finding a former employee of Georgetown Tobacco. Yeah, and, and, and the best part for me is that David's relationship with these other with these other what most people would consider competitive stores is they're wonderful friends. They are. Um, we are very fortunate here in DC that, um, if, um, if I need something, I can call any of the other stores and they will do whatever they can to help. And same here. And it's a, uh, it, it's a very nice feeling cause I've, you know, talking with various reps, there are towns where everybody hates everybody, but uh, it's a very nice atmosphere here in D.C. We're we're all on the same side. I'm sorry, that confuses me. There's a very nice feeling of cooperation in Washington, D.C.? Yes. Yeah, okay. None of us are elected. <laughs> right, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Okay, all right. Uh, we're going to take a quick break right here while I recover, and we'll be back with uh, Walter in just a minute. I'm Jeremy Reeves, head blender of Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. Since 1990, Cornell & Deal has been producing high-quality pipe tobacco, expertly blended by hand using time-honored methods, unique recipes, and no small amount of innovation. One example of such innovation is our bestseller, Autumn Evening. We start with whole leaf red Virginia and strip the stems by hand. The tobacco is then cut into ribbons and cooked for two days according to our unique recipe to create our special Red Virginia Cavendish. Then we infuse the tobacco while it's still hot with our secret flavoring to achieve the sublime sweetness, deep flavor, and delightful aroma that makes Autumn Evening so well loved by our loyal customers and everyone around them as they enjoy this very special blend. Cornell & Deal Pipe Tobacco Company. It's a labor of love. Contact your local or online retailer for information. There's nothing quite like working in my shop or smoking my genuine Missouri Meerschaum corncob pipe, an American legend since 1869. It's the coolest, smoothest pipe I've ever owned. Check them out at corncobpipe.com. We are back on the Pipes Magazine radio show, and uh, maybe maybe what makes everybody cooperate is that there's a lot of pipes and cigars being smoked, and that makes them all get along. It is. It um, you know we have. I guess we are all, are all competitors, but somehow the you know everybody has their niche and. Know people are where they are. Um, when people are in Georgetown, they come here. You know, if they live out in Virginia or somewhere else, they go to one of the other stores. And you know, it's it's not like anything that is any purchases that is made at one store is being taken away from another. You know, all the customers sort of have their habits and roots and things like that and it uh, it never feels like when somebody else is doing well that it is at the cost of anyone else so uh, it's not like we're the uh, you know across the street from one another lobbing bombs or anything like that and as Ben Franklin said if we don't hang together we'll all hang separately 
So you're right there in Georgetown. I mean, you must have had some uh, people of notoriety come in there. Uh, did anybody named Bill Clinton come in and buy cigars in the 90s? Uh, no, he never did directly. And the people that um, may have, I was always polite enough to not... <laughs> ask for confirmation or denial. <laughs> don't ask, and don't tell. Don't ask, don't tell. And we are... People of notoriety do come by, and we sort of make a point of not um, treating them like celebrities. Uh, it's a... People enjoy hanging out here, and you know there is you know no paparazzi, no no hero worship or anything like that. And people who are very prominent can just be very relaxed here and hang out. And you know sometimes, depending on their on their personality, people want a lot more attention. But uh, we generally just sort of help them with their purchases and if they want to talk we will talk but uh that goes for anyone else as well so it um <laughs> so you, so you're very unbiased in that you ignore everybody equally pretty much yeah and give them quick abuse and, and get them out the door except well if they want to stay i mean i, I think one of the greatest ones was when uh Jonathan Winters was uh, receiving the Mark Twain Award at the Kennedy oh, Center. Yeah. He came in the store and he just went for hours. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was his private performance that was just absolutely priceless. Uh, a lot of what he said was also said again at uh, at his expect acceptance. Speech, but uh, since he always ad-libbed, I won't uh, I won't dig my heels in on that point. <laughs> but but that was uh, that was one moment that I really really cherished. But uh, uh. now you guys are a full line pipe and tobacco and cigar shop. About how many pipes do you have in inventory now? Oh my. Um, Thousands. <laughs> All sitting there in Georgetown for anybody to look at. Uh, yes. Plus, you have you you guys over time have developed a whole bunch of proprietary blends, and you have some of them even tinned up. So, can you talk us through some of your uh, best-selling private label or uh, tin your your own Georgetown tobaccos? Okay, we have. Um... One of our most popular tobaccos uh, is Old Georgetown, which um, David started hand-blending it in the store back in the 60s and aging it under planks and whatnot. And, you know, he got the component tobaccos. And, you know, basically it was a... It was heavily influenced by, uh, by the old Balkan Sobrani White, very heavy Latakia. And for years and years, he blended it by hand in the store. And you know, since then, we have um, have had other companies make it for us with that keeping to that same recipe. But that is uh, that is the one that's truly ours. We have a few others that we've. Selected some combined, but um, it's it's a pretty broad spectrum. We have about twenty five, thirty um, of our private labels, and it pretty much um, caters to every taste. And we even do a lot of the probably more of the flakes than uh, than most pipe shops do. Uh, it's not as high a volume, but it's. It's sort of the symbol of, um, you know, we're serious about this. Yeah. Uh, what are some of your better-selling pipes? 
do well, a lot of basket bites and then have lots of Petersons, uh, sell quite a few Dunhills with the, um, we have some that are you know, like the Viking pipes that are not an everyday name, but uh, you know, we get those out of Denmark and we sell a lot of the uh, Eric Nording pipes. Uh, it's pretty much across the board. It's, it's kind of nice to, uh, when I run sales figures, that there's not one dominant brand. Um, the um, yeah, it's it's pretty much all over the place. The the one, you know, Peterson Dunhill, those really do stand out because they're just a large body. But we have a lot of brands, uh, Maestro Beraldi. Um, we have a lot of variety. When the uh, when the pipes come in, do you uh, run down there and look at each one of them? Oh, absolutely. Um, and some of them, you know, we have uh, a lot of them have to be graded. Some of the basket pipes that um, you know, we deal with um, for the last year or so, we've been dealing with a with a new supplier who is. Um, really a master at scrounging and he will you know he'll go to Europe, go to Italy Greece and seems to be an expert at finding those uh, those piles of old boxes that are that went behind a cabinet 50 years ago and nobody's really thought about and he pulls those out and sometimes they're all the same, sometimes they're a really mixed bag and says, you know, I found this, I found 300,000 pipes and they're from 1956 and I can give you a deal on them and, you know, then I have to go through and grade them for what quality they are and what, uh, what their value is, but, uh, but that's fun. <laughs> that's the part I like is, you know, getting, you know, this mixed bag of these little time capsules that, uh, that seemingly have no relation to each other and just sorting them out and putting them out at a good value. There's a, there's a certain amount of beauty in that chaos. Oh yes. And that is something I really enjoy is just looking at the piece of wood and the carving and being able to say that, you know, this is, even though it was a big package deal here, take 10 dozen of these and uh, I'll give you this price, just being able to heft each individual pipe and say this is worth, you know, a customer would feel fortunate to pay this amount for this pipe and knowing that it is a good value that we're putting across. How hard is it for you to pick up a pipe, look at it, fall in love with it, and then not keep it but put it up for sale? I would say that I've gotten better about that, but I would be lying. <laughs> um, I usually... Um, I am still adding to the collection, but then again, I'm still losing things. But um, I don't... I don't feel the need to buy a pipe every month like I used to. So maybe it'll it'll happen maybe three or four times a year that I will be buying pipes for the store and there's something that I cannot live without. Uh, and it doesn't have to be the high end. It's not, I don't I don't collect any particular brands of pipes. It's just when something you know I have pipes that are in my uh, my A list rotation that were basket pipes. And I smoke them alongside of uh, of the Dunhills and Sheratans and and all the other good pipes, and I I enjoy those even though they were very inexpensive. I mention that because I seem to remember somebody at a uh, most recent trade show that we were at that uh, bought himself a new pipe walking around the show floor. I did, and I absolutely love that pipe. It's a uh, Maestro Beraldi out of uh, Rome. And 
part of that was that I, when I was packing, I had my little pile of pipes that um, I was planning on bringing and somehow did not. Well, if, if that's what you want to claim, I'll let you claim that, but go right ahead. But uh, that, that was a very special pipe, and I still do really enjoy that. But, yes, I, I came to the show ill-prepared and did not have enough pipes to rotate them properly. <laughs> um, let's talk about real quickly. Um, one of the things that you guys always seem to come up with is some oddball, interesting gift items. Um, in particular, my favorite is a crate full of, I don't know, porcelain ducks. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Explain the That's explain the crate full of ducks. Okay, the, first of all, the, the whole duck fetish. Um, <laughs> when David's first business, when he was nine, ten years old, was raising ducks <laughs> and selling them, uh, he lived in Palisades, which is the far western tip of, uh, of Washington, D.C., and I guess back then was somewhat rural and sort of suburban, but uh, he, um, yes, he, he raised ducks, so they've, that has been a constant theme. And then this, um, there was a sculptor who he was friends with in the 1970s who did a lot of um, ceramic sculptures uh, with the duck motif, and one of them is called a crate of long necks. <laughs> and it is a basically a box about um, two feet tall, about a foot wide, and with about I'm going to say forty duck heads sticking out of it, all with different expressions on their faces. And some of them have teeth, and some of them have lips, and some of them have tongues, and other things <laughs> that ducks should not have in their mouth. But, uh, they. Um, it is, it is quite a, I'm looking at it now, and I will pick up my phone and send a picture of it uh, to you. But uh, this was, it's a fun piece, and everyone just, just really enjoys looking at it, and I still do. And at some points, um, this is way before my time, but uh, David told me that uh, somebody smashed, it had been in the front window, which somebody threw a brick through, and the brick continued to, completely smashed this, uh, this sculpture, and he sent it off to, uh, I believe the Smithsonian, but I'm not exactly sure, but a restoration um, outfit, and sort of forgot about it, and then three years, and he said it was, it was smashed to the point to where it was almost sand, is how he described it, and Two, three years later, he gets a call. He said, this is finished. And if you look at it now, you would never realize that it had ever been broken. Wow. <laughs> so in, in addition to the ducks, right now on the website, the website is GT Tobacco, so short for GeorgetownTobacco.com. Or if you put in Georgetown Tobacco, it gets there as well. Yeah. Uh you have Venetian carnival masks, uh, poster vases, porcelain steins, walking sticks, and does does David still go around and pick out all these oddball things that are really cool? Yes, uh, he does the craft shows, gift shows, uh, a lot of other things, um, and a lot of the things that he picks out are based on uh, you know just liking people. Um, and wanting to do business with them, you know, there was no um, no reason to put the Venetian carnival masks in here. But he liked the ladies who were um, who were importing them, <laughs> and we started. And it's actually this is a little unfortunate, but it, we first brought them into the store just a few months before Katrina hit uh, New Orleans. Oh no. And as you can imagine, um, taking New Orleans out of the picture for 
the period of time would really um, affect mask sales in the U.S. That's yeah. where they go. But uh, so for a while there, we were um, we were the second biggest mask dealers uh, retail in the U.S. Uh, behind Cirque du Soleil. Oh God! <laughs> it, and it's it's amazing. People people come in, they buy masks, they you know just they understand the value. They pick one up that's this price and pick one up this price. You don't have to explain why. It's they just sort of have a feeling and you know. The idea of why am I buying a carnival mask at a cigar store in Washington never seems to cross anyone's mind. <laughs> People <laughs> just buy them, and they're very happy with them. One final question about the store, and then we'll wrap this up. Uh, do you still have the tobacco hands hanging in the hanging on, off the ceiling? Yes, we do. Um, they are getting harder to deal with, um, yeah. <laughs> or harder to find. The they are hands of Maryland tobacco, and about 15 years ago, uh, the state of Maryland bought out most of the um, most of the tobacco farmers. And um, the first time I went to buy hands was one of the last auctions that they had, and um, let's see, should I try to describe it's basically about a dozen tobacco leaves that are about uh, two and a half feet long and then tied together at the stem um, forming a hand. And what we have is for decoration. It's way too dried out to ever be used. But um, that's been one of the identifying marks of the store for much longer than I've been here. <laughs> and we've um, so after the after we've lost the ability to just go the, to the Maryland tobacco auctions to buy them, uh, I bought one uh, found one supplier who is a uh, an Amish farmer, and just just here in Oxon Hill, Maryland, just not too far outside the Beltway. I was not expecting to find it when I went out to pick them up, but uh, got a load from them and then uh, ran into a, uh, <clears throat> a D.C. firefighter who lives out in Maryland who one of his hobbies is growing tobacco. <laughs> so he, we now, um, when we do, when they eventually dry out and have to be replaced, uh, we are now buying them from a from a firefighter. <laughs> On that note, we will wrap this up with the Fast Five final questions. No right answer, no wrong answer, just whatever comes to your mind. Are you ready? Okay. What is your favorite pipe? Uh, The one I am holding now is a Yura, made by the um, former diving coach uh, from the former East Germany. And what is your favorite tobacco? It is our Hastings. And it is a uh, Virginia and Perique, uh, Virginia Flake and Perique blend. And what is your favorite drink? I will say bourbon, um, bourbon or rye, and I go back and forth. Does it depend uh, on? Seventeen ninety two is the current uh, favorite brand. Does it depend on the time of the year? Not necessarily. No, I'm I'm pretty much full time, full, full year round. So you're okay. Maybe a mint julep when it's hot, <laughs> and someone else is going to make it for me. When it's time to relax, do you prefer a book, a movie, or music? A book, in combination with music. It better be a book. You're an English major. Yes. Uh, yeah. And the final question is, do you have a particularly favorite pipe-smoking-related memory that we didn't talk about and doesn't include ducks with teeth or lips? Oh, let's see. Many years ago, uh, back in the mid-90s, um, we had a trunk show, and uh, Bill Taylor uh, 
William Taylor Ashton, um, brought his Ashton pipes in, and it was actually the second one I got because I had uh, one of the first pipes that I got was one of his, and there was a trade show in 1988 here in Washington, and it was... I was only working here at the store for probably a couple of weeks, and I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. But I had uh, I had gotten an Ashton pipe in the store, and I was so unfamiliar with it that I thought it was burning out, even though it was just a matter of the cake was um, developing unevenly, but I didn't know that then. <laughs> So I went to this trade show where you know, it was just beyond any conception of you know of my 20-year-old self, and I found uh, Mr. Taylor and I showed him the pipe. And even though there's really nothing wrong with it, <clears throat> he let me pick out another one, and it's this beautiful sort of reverse panel. A yachtsman and still one of the most unique lovely pipes that I've ever had and then fast forward maybe 15 years or so um, brought him down to the store for a trunk show and it um, put a lot of effort into try to publicize it and make it as successful as possible and he presented me with a one of his 3x Sovereigns, and Ugh. that is still one of the one of my favorites. The two of them are still in heavy rotation, and I'm looking around my very cluttered desk to see if I have one of them here. But I think one of them might be in my bag. But my pipes <laughs> float, <laughs> <laughs> and they tend to collect uh, like little bits of wood in a stream, depending on where I'm stopping. So. I either have lots and lots of pipes here or very few. Yeah, but the good old memories of the uh, of the way the business used to be run, where you'd get somebody like Bill Taylor to come in, and yeah, those are uh, those are priceless memories. Oh yes, absolutely. But, uh, so again, the the website is gttobacco.com you can uh, if you're in Washington DC or swinging through DC stop by or go on the website and check everything out Walter thank you very much for uh, joining us well thank you Brian and we'll be back in just a minute Signore, signore, scusi per favore, but what is that intoxicating and delicious aroma coming from your pipe? Oh, uh, this is Molto Dolce, my all-time favorite blend from Sutliff Tobacco. Do you like it? I found it on SutliffMoltoDolce.com. Do you mind if I try? Oh, signore, this truly is Molto Dolce. So charming that you even speak my language as it is truly very sweet. <laughs> just like you, I am sure. I can just taste the warm caramel and sweet dripping honey gushing through my mouth. Oh, and even better, the rich vanilla flavor plays so well with the other tastes over my tongue. It is like they are all having a giant playful pillow fight on smooth and silky sheets of tobacco in my mouth. Pure heaven! Mi piace moltissimo, mi amore. Can't you see it, signore? I can see it. I can see it. And signore, best of all, no tongue bite. Grazie un milione for the pipe, signore. Hey! Sutliff Tobacco Company will not be held responsible for any loss of one's favorite pipe customers may experience when smoking our delicious Balto Dolce blend in public. This is Internet Radio. We are back. All right, so uh, if you're in the D.C. area, you do need to uh, stop by Georgetown Tobacco and check out all the pipes, high-end to low-end, uh, or check them out online. All right, music-wise, Dino had uh, suggested the ultimate Jethro Tull, and I was surprised I hadn't played it before. 
Uh, Jethro Tull, again, one of those bands that I have to be in a specific mood to listen to, but this is their uh, full-length version of the quintessential Aqualung with uh, Ian Anderson, Pipe Smoker, and Flautist. Dino commented, I wonder what they were smoking that was an aqua lung. You've got frickin' mail. Quick mailbag here. Uh, Casey Ghost says, good review of the various tobaccos and where they come from. The interview was funny and informative. Lance was a good guest. Uh, Nice to remember a man who died 100 years ago, but the music was rather tedious. 
Uh, nice story about the watches. Pretentious people are always a hoot to watch. I am sure they thought they were the only ones on the plane. Yeah, they definitely did not know there was anybody else on the plane. Uh, posted that on Facebook. Got a ton of comments and a ton of views. Uh, if you're on Facebook, follow me, Brian Levine. You'll see uh, what I did yesterday or earlier this morning. Uh, follow the Pipes Magazine radio show page on Facebook while you're there. Uh, Jason GVL says, love the show as per usual. Great little snippet about the guy wearing two watches. Couldn't help but burst out laughing whilst at work listening to this. Two watches. Ha ha. I wonder if he's wearing two necklaces as well or two belts or two wedding rings or two shoes. Uh, yeah, he had two shoes, but he took them off right away. Uh, looking forward to the next show already. All the best. And Dino says that was quite a wide-ranging, entertaining, and enlightening conversation with Robert, and the website shows his remarkable skill. But no photo of the guest. I like seeing photos of the guests so uh, that I might recognize them at pipe shows. Um, I want to, <laughs> yeah, let's just say real quickly, uh, Lance jumped in and saved our butts last week, and I appreciate that very much, and thank, thank you to Lance once again. Uh, didn't have time to grab a picture of him. Uh, let's see. Dino goes on to say, I really enjoyed the Butterworth piece. It was perfect for kicking back with my pipe and a splash of the McAllen. Uh, really, Dan, you find Oscar Peterson forgettable. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, the rant was choice. I, too, am totally unimpressed by such a putz. Pretentious upper tier schlub. Uh, love the goofy cell. Thanks for another fun show, Dino. Yeah, I can't. I gotta get the goofy cell framed and up on the wall. All right, that'll wrap it up for the mailbag. And in just a minute, rant time. Meet Josh. Everyone at SmokingPipes.com holds customers as a high priority, but nobody interacts with them more personally than Josh. He's our professor of pipes, if you will. As a previous professor of history, educating the customer comes easily to him. He loves explaining the history of a particular pipe to a customer or coaching his customer service team. I love to help customers find that perfect piece for their collection. It's my job to make sure there's a smile on the other end of the line, and I'm more than happy to be the one to put it there. And although Josh's job can sometimes be quite demanding, he doesn't mind. He loves his job at SmokingPipes.com. Why? Because I don't just sell pipes, I smoke them. Call us at one 366 0345. That's 1 888 366 0345. Or check us out online at smokingpipes.com. We are quality. We are experts. We are smokingpipes.com. Cowboy. Cowboy. I really do enjoy the Columbus Zoo. It's a great zoo. It's a great place to uh, spend. A, you could spend two days there and still not see everything and do all the interactive stuff and see all the exhibits and the shows. It's a great zoo. We get there on Sunday morning and the zoo is announcing all over the place that it's now a smoke-free facility. Well, I've seen that coming down the road, but this one goes a little strange because remember how I remarked in the past that they had absolutely wonderful smoking areas that were nice and covered and out of the way and well-placed and pleasant to sit down in. Even if you wanted to sit down and smoke a pipe for a half hour with a cup of coffee, a beer, or a water, whatever, yeah, those are all gone. No more smoking inside the uh, on the Columbus Zoo property. And this is where it really kind of pissed me off. So if you're there and you want to duck outside for a quick smoke, I asked the uh, guys at Guest Relations, where are you supposed to go to smoke? Well, nowhere on their property. You're supposed to leave the parking lot. That's what they want you to do. One guy said, well, if you want to just walk around out amongst the cars and uh, not, not get caught, you know, that's fine too. So, nowhere. Nowhere on the property. 
You know, and it, it's, you know, if you look at the population, and this is what I sent them in the email. So I, my annual trip there to the Columbus Zoo is no more. I won't go back. I really won't go back because it's just not that enjoyable if I can't sit down, relax with the smoke, and watch the people go by. Uh, you know, it's great to go in for a couple of hours, but then I'd want to leave and I don't want to spend that money. Well, they've just alienated 18% of the U.S. population and 21% of the residents of Ohio. I let them know that in an email, and we'll see what they say. All right, that wraps up this episode of the Pipes Magazine radio show. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, Next week, hey, next week is uh, the end of our uh, fourth uh, year. We'll be kicking off the fifth year the week after that. Hard to believe. All right, once again, thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to all the folks that came up to me at the Columbus Pipe Show that are uh, listeners. I appreciate that. And until next time. Just sing a song and think about sunny weather. Happy trails to the Bumba Dee Bumba 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 Bumba